Hello, I'm John Dennis. It's Thursday the 22nd of October. Today, Royal Mail workers are on strike, accusing the government of trying to prevent a deal. Lord Manderson, the business secretary, had to uh, scrap plans to part privatise Royal Mail, which which the unions um, resisted. So I I think for Lord Manderson, he certainly feels there's unfinished business with regard to um, Royal Mail. Forward, it certainly is. An African dictator faces legal action after falsely claiming that his book was endorsed by Nelson Mandela. I suppose it's one step down from having the, the patronage of God. And the comedian Jack D on being depressed, attending Alcoholics Anonymous, and what it feels like to die on stage. You've never heard of me, but your editor won't expect smiling photos of me, so don't worry. <laughs> First, here's Bill Overton with the news headlines. The Director-General of the BBC, Mark Thompson's, defended the corporation's decision to include BNP leader Nick Griffin on tonight's Question Time panel. Writing in today's Guardian, Thompson says ministers would have to impose a broadcasting ban on the BNP, similar to that imposed on Sinn Féin in the 80s by Margaret Thatcher, in order to change the corporation's decision on the matter. It is, he says, the public's right to hear a full range of political views. As postal strikes across the UK get underway this morning, Gordon Brown's handling of the strike comes under criticism. A survey by left-wing pressure group Compass shows a majority of the public believe the government should be more involved in securing a settlement. Dave Ward, the Deputy General Secretary of the Communication Workers' Union, has accused the Business Secretary, Lord Mandelson, of being in cahoots with Royal Mail Management. A spokesperson for Lord Mandelson said the union attacks on him are an attempt to hide the fact that, in his view, there is no logical reason for the dispute. The strike will continue today and tomorrow. The US government's preparing to order bailed-out banks and car companies to slash the salaries of their top executives by an average of 90%. Kenneth Feinberg, the US Treasury's so-called pay czar, intends to tell seven struggling firms still dependent on taxpayer support that 25 highest-paid execs must accept a cut The firms concerned include struggling banks Citigroup and Bank of America, also car manufacturers such as General Motors and Chrysler. His official report's been leaked to the US media. Three 30-foot crocheted lions will appear in Nottingham City ahead of the 2012 Olympics. Artist Shauna Richardson was announced today as one of the winners of the Cultural Olympiad Art Commissions. The works will appear across the UK in the lead-up to the Olympics. Inspired by Richard the Lionheart, the artist will receive £500,000 to create her woollen artworks for 2012. Now, if we look at the papers, the Financial Times leading with Darling fires back at King. Alistair Darling has criticised Bank of England Governor Mervyn King's suggestion that banks need to be split up to prevent a future banking crisis. The Daily Telegraph leads with Tories will shame Britain on human rights law, reporting on a speech made last night by Keir Stammer, QC, Director of Public Prosecutions, in which he attacked David Cameron's plans. And some good news on the front of the Daily Express, why we're all living longer, reporting on a recent survey on life expectancy, which claims that 3.3 million of us can expect to live beyond 85 and the number of over 90s is set to triple over the next 25 years. The Sun lead with Dead Letter Day. They say the postal strike could kill the Royal Mail. And the back pages report on a busy night for English Premiership clubs in Europe. Chelsea beats Atletico Madrid convincingly 4-0. And Man United too had success in their tie against CSKA Moscow last night winning 1-0. You can follow all the sport and the day's news at guardian.co.uk.
Postal workers are on strike today and tomorrow after last-minute talks between the Royal Mail and the Communication Workers' Union broke down. The business secretary, Peter Mandelson, was accused by the union and by Labour backbenchers of stirring up the dispute. Tim Webb is our industrial editor. It comes after months of uh, industrial unrest, really, between uh, Royal Mail and the Communication Workers' Union, which represents most of Royal Mail's 160,000 uh, staff and uh, really if you ask uh, the two different sides you'll get two different answers for the union um, they say that Royal Mail's plans to modernise a business which both sides agree is is desperately needed Royal Mail is very inefficient it doesn't have uh, enough automatic mail sorting machines um, to, to, to match the efficiency of its rivals in the UK um, but the union claims that these these mon- this modernisation programme and these machines that are being brought in um, will uh, is resulting in increased workload for for staff at unreasonably uh, high. They say um, they 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 say also that they'll be com- they they predict that raw mail will make compulsory redundancies because with these new machines you won't need so many people. And they accuse Royal Mail of uh, intimidating staff. Um, Royal Mail. Um, they're playing a canny game, really, and this is all a bit of a public relations battle. But they 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 are sticking to the mantra that the CWU are are, are damaging um, Royal Mail's business. They're they're hurting customers. The postal workers say that the government and Royal Mail have been working together to prevent a deal. How how bad is this for the government? It's not good for the government. It's not been a good year for the government and Royal Mail. Obviously, uh, it was only a few months ago that uh, uh, Lord Manners and the Business Secretary had to uh, scrap plans to part privatise uh, uh, Royal Mail, which which the unions um, resisted. Um, so it's, I think, for Lord Manderson, he certainly feels there's unfinished business with regard to um, Royal Mail. We all know, uh, for all his good work with the car industry, which has won him some surprising plaudits from. Uh, the uh, likes of Tony Woodley, the the leader of the Unite Union, um, he, Lord Manderson isn't really the the biggest fan of unions, and um, uh, I wouldn't say he's trying to break the union, but certainly I, I don't see any sign that the uh, um, the government is is softening its stance. It really seems to be backing Royal, Man- Royal Mail management to the hilt, uh, and while Royal Mail has the government's backing, I think they'll. Uh, They'll keep. Um, they'll play. Continue to play it tough too. And there are further strikes planned. Uh, well, they're going to be haven't been announced yet, but there are going to be further strikes between now and Christmas. What can customers and businesses do meanwhile, whilst this, all this is going on? Well, there are some options. Um, consumer Focus, the uh, consumer uh, watchdog, they advise um, ordinary people, people like you and me, want to send letters to a post. Uh, uh, letters at the uh, lo- our local post offices. It's more likely the mail is more likely to get delivered uh, uh, quicker. Some of the big online retailers, people like Amazon, Argos, they're already um, will be switching to other uh, postal operators. Royal Mail isn't the only postal company in the UK, although it is by far the largest. Um, so companies like TNT, UPS, they can also um, deliver parcels. But unfortunately, um, unless you can afford to use very expensive courier uh, services, um, then we're really uh, stuffed and we kind of face two weeks of, uh, of, of postal disruption as workers um, struggle to get through this backlog that this two-day stoppage will, uh, will cause. Tim Webb, and there's full coverage today at guardian.co.uk slash business. Well, now another industrial dispute, this time in Leeds, one of Britain's biggest cities, where hopes of an end to a seven-week bin strike have collapsed. 
600 council staff have voted to stay out, as our northern editor, Martin Wainwright, reports. It's about equal pay, interestingly. It, it's, it's not just as simple as that. It's also about public spending cuts and it's also about potential privatisation. But the trigger for it is equal pay. Um, Leeds is one of something like a fifth, 20% of England and Wales' 325 councils haven't yet implemented the requirements of changes to equal pay law, which were which were made law in 2005. And because they've been caught now by the recession and the enormous strain on public expenditure following the bailing out of the banks, um, instead of upping women's pay to match men's, uh, they proposed cutting men's pay um, to match women's. I mean, that's putting it crudely, but, but the original deal shocked an awful lot of people and led to a lot of support for the bin uh, the bin crews because um men mostly men um some women but men on salaries of um 18,000 pounds a year were facing annual pay cuts uh, averaging more than 3,000 pounds and in some cases as high as 5,000 pounds and i mean can you imagine facing that yourself i mean i i've got some neighbors who are deeply um conservative with a capital c and even they were saying well you know if i was a bin man i wouldn't do this but the latest deal actually um really got rid of that the the proposed pay cuts were much much smaller but it has now been rejected why have they rejected it They've rejected it on productivity grounds, uh, John. It, the council reduced these pay cuts to, you know, I think an average of something like £200. And quite a lot of uh, the crews would have had increases under this uh, under this deal, not very big increases. So I think the pay issue was resolved. But the quid pro quo was, well, you've got to work faster. And instead of doing 190 properties an hour, uh, they would have had to do 220 properties an hour. Now, that works out at approaching four properties a minute. Um, now, in, in a sort of Coronation Street type setting, OK, you can envisage that happening. But an awful lot of Leeds, like most other cities these days, you know, it's very mixed housing, um, houses with bits of front garden drives. And pretty much everybody has two wheelie bins, a black one for normal waste and a green one for recycling waste. And a lot of people have three wheelie bins. They have a brown one for garden rubbish so uh, without taking sides you can see that productivity what 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 they were being asked to do in this latest deal was certainly an issue and and they rejected it by a vote of 92 percent which is pretty overwhelming martin wainwright also on the guardian's website today deborah hargreaves business editor of the guardian here in today's business section we're going to be looking at pool miners who will be attacking banks on bonuses yet again we're looking again at mervyn king who was very outspoken about bank practices and how that leaves his relationship with the government gatwick has been sold for 1.5 billion pounds we will look at their new owners what improvements they're offering at the airport we're looking at cabri as it struggles to fight against the approaches from craft and we're also looking at the opening of John Lewis's new home store in Poole, which is a departure for the company. We will be previewing that. And if you want to read any more about this, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash business. From guardian.co.uk, this is Guardian Daily. My name's John Dennis. Still to come on Guardian Daily, MPs debate super injunctions and the gagging of Parliament. It's extremely complicated and probably um, all open to argument and her opinion is, uh, is, is, is a different one from the one that the lawyer reached. 
But first, Straight Speaking for Africa is the title of the new book by Denis Sassou Nguesso, the president of Congo Brazzaville. In the book's foreword, Nelson Mandela, no less, describes Sassou Nguesso as a great African leader. The thing is, Mandela didn't write the foreword. David Smith is in Johannesburg. He says Sassou Nguesso has been a bit presumptuous. I think most authors would be happy for a line of endorsement from a, a literary critic or a fellow author or, or if they're really lucky, one of those messages saying, you know, nominated for the Booker Prize. But um, clearly uh, the president uh, decided to go the whole hog and have a ringing endorsement and a forward by Nelson Mandela, which I suppose is one step down from having the, the patronage of God. <laughs> and um, this, this forward uh, describes... Uh, Sassoon Gesso as uh, one of our great African leaders, which um, <laughs> is clearly um, you know, something you'd want um, Nelson Mandela to say about you. Uh, a lot of people uh, may not know much about Congo Brazzaville um, or about uh, Mr Sassoon Gesso. I mean, can you tell us a bit about him? Well, he, um, he does not exactly fit the Mandela democratic model, I'm afraid, in that um, he came to power in a coup um, about 30 years ago uh, he lost an election, but uh, regained power by winning a civil war. So um, the the term dictator is is no stranger to him. And um, the most recent report by Amnesty International um, discussed uh, human rights defenders and journalists in uh, Congo Brazzaville facing threats, arrests, and detention. And it talked about um, torture and other forms of ill treatment. Um, it's a country that's um, not to be confused with the Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, which it neighbours, and is um, is little known. And it's it's only really incidents like this that put it on the map, I suppose, for a lot of people. What have the publishers said about this? They're denying all knowledge. They said, you know, we were just given this material and and printed it. Um, there was um, an initial an initial publisher who did it in, in French, and um, you know they say they took it in good faith, and uh, I suppose they assume that a, a head of state uh, is not going to make stuff up. And then um, the English version came from a publisher based in New Jersey in the US, and again they say simply, well, you know, we took the, the version that came out in French and, and went ahead. There was, uh, didn't seem to be any reason to have to check uh, the veracity of it. But uh, although they're claiming it's all quite modest, and I suppose a book like this would not necessarily be on uh, most people's uh, top ten lists for their Christmas stocking, at the same time um, there have apparently been quite large adverts for it, you know, full-page, half-page adverts in, in the New York Times and leading American papers, so um, they're clearly going for it. And what has uh, Sasu Ngesso said now that he's been rumbled? Funnily enough, he's, he's lying low and, and not saying anything. Um, <laughs> I guess it's uh, an embarrassing situation uh, to, to be in. Um, I, maybe he'll sort of blame one of his uh, lieutenants, but it's, it's a hard one to get out of, really. David Smith. Last week, a super injunction prevented The Guardian from reporting a question in the Commons about the oil trading firm Trafigura. Well, yesterday in Westminster Hall, it was the subject of a debate by MPs. This is the former minister, Dennis McShane. Do we not need to see the partners in Carter Ruck 
before the bar of the House to apologise publicly for this attempt to suborn parliamentary democracy. The threat was withdrawn only after press publicity, but something very serious has happened. The government won't act to clean up libel law. Perhaps we can as parliamentarians. Allegra Stratton is in our Westminster office. Speaker of the House of Commons, John Burkow, Labour Deputy Leader, but also Leader of the Commons, Harriet Harman, and also Justice Secretary Jack Straw, they're going to get together and they're going to look at how it can be clarified what the principles of a parliamentary privilege, which is uh, the idea that anything you say in the House of Commons is, is, is privileged and protected, uh, and um, sort of law can't override that. Um, and secondly, that uh, the freedom of the press should be observed at all times. What will the government do to stop the prevalence of super injunctions? Well, we've got this summit um, and we'll hear more from that. Um, and it, I think what it, what it aimed to do is, is create an awareness that, that necessarily all the law is not there, that, that they have to be followed. In the particular case of our story, I think she, Bridget Prentice's belief is that the, the lawyer didn't necessarily have to rule that we couldn't cover the, the, the fact of the injunction. Um, she only made a short contribution, but she did raise questions about whether it was necessarily correct law. It seems extraordinary that uh, these um, very highly paid lawyers, no doubt, for both The Guardian and Trafigura, could actually get the law wrong. No, it's it, no, I'm, no, I'm not just trying to avoid being rude about a colleague. It's extremely complicated and probably um, all open to argument. And her opinion is, uh, is 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 a different one from the one that the lawyer reached. But certainly, in terms of these super injunctions, I think um, they're, 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 we have the warm words, but we also have the fact that they will meet these three important people, Harmon, Straw, and Burkow, um, to try and clarify exactly when. Uh, super injunctions or injunctions on their own are allowed. There's a wider issue, isn't there, um, uh, Allegra? That yeah. L- London has become the libel capital of the world. Was the government worried about that at all? She didn't address that point. Obviously, it makes money, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, no, she didn't address that point. She was she was just trying to, to assuage the fears of, of some very upset um, across the board, apart from one, um, MPs who feel that sort of ancient parliamentary privilege was being road roughshod over. Guardian Daily. News and reports from around the world. Jack Dee's comic persona is miserable and misanthropic, and his new book, Thanks for Nothing, is part life story, part rant. What do you think people expect when they meet you? They expect me to be taller. You're laughing because it's true. <laughs> and personally? Uh, they, uh, I don't know. I think people are, are, are intrigued to know uh, perhaps if, if I'm really as grumpy as that in real life. Um, that, I mean, that must be the question that you get all the time. All the time, yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm not really grumpy. I'm actually very uh, optimistic and, uh, and almost quite cheerful person. But I don't look it. That's the thing. I've never looked like... I've never really had... An, I've just had a photo shoot and... And the photographer, I, I, he said, do you, "Do you ever smile for anything?" I said, "No, I, I don't think he'd ever heard of me." And uh, and he said, uh, "He said, can we have one where you smile?" I said, "Trust me, you probably you've never you've never heard of me, but your editor won't expect smiling photos of me, so don't worry." <laughs> you've said that depression is your default setting. Mm. Well, it is. I mean, I I, I think, um, and it certainly has been through most of my adult life. Um, but I'm very, uh, I think I've, I sort of find a way of navigating uh, with it and around it. I don't, I don't, um, I don't get bogged down by it anymore. Um, Are you clinically depressed? 
I wouldn't know. To be honest, I've never had it analyzed to that extent, um, and I've uh, um, I, I, I've uh, I've been treated, but I don't I don't want to know. I, I'm not interested in the terms, you know. I'm, I'm interested in in in, um, in going past it, if that makes sense. To uh, I don't want I don't want to get bogged down in 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 the terminology of whether you're you know this kind of depressive or that kind of depressive. I think medication is 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 something I I don't want to be involved in anymore, and um, uh, and I want to move on from that. And I think there are, I think there are much better ways of dealing with it. There's a small section in the book where you talk about uh, in '84 and you went to AA. Mm. You're not that into celebrities talking about it for sort of for two main reasons. Yeah, for 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 those reasons. I mean, for for reasons that a uh, you know I think I think it's it's a bit overdone anyway. But secondly, there is a responsibility um, uh, that, that, we, that I think we all have, and especially with something like AA, which is dependent upon anonymity, and that once uh, once you start banging on about it the whole time, then actually potentially you are damaging the the, the whole concept of it. Uh, now it's in the domain, the public domain that I, I did AA, and it's that's something I can't do anything about. And because of that, uh, I've tried to put an, as honest a version of that as I can across. Um, but had it not been in the domain, I think I probably would have kept it quiet in the book as well. Jack D talking to Hannah Poole, Andy Duckworth, and Jason Phipps were the producers of today's edition of Guardian Daily. My name's John Dennis. Thanks for listening. Listener.